Welcome to episode 150 of In The Move Podcast. I feel like it should be like Bullseye or something like that. Sounds like a dart score. <laughs> bullseye? We're doing Bullseye. To get 150... Oh, the beer's out. The beer's out already. To get 150, <laughs> you'd have to get two treble 20s and a bullseye. Oh, no. Three, three balls. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad maths. <laughs> This, this is why we do film podcasts and not uh, symposiums on mathematics. That's why I work in accounts. <laughs> uh, and based on my plot rundowns, that's why I work in precision engineering. <laughs> so if you take the piss out of precision, precision engineering while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm Callum Reid. 150. Unbelievable. Yes, that is unbelievable. Um, we're not going to dwell on it. We're not doing a 150 films to see before you die. Ah, uh, I've forgotten about we'll that. We'll have to dredge up the 7 out of 10s and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. I think, do you think we could actually like, even get 20 films that we both agree are five-star classics? 20? Yeah. I think, we, not, could, I think not, we could get 20. Not that we necessarily... Not like something like you could say... Uh, for example, the Shawshank Redemption is universally regarded as a, as a classic, and but uh, but I mean, both of us would actually give five stars to. Well, I certainly wouldn't give five stars to the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So there's one down. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it doesn't even have to be anything that would like be. Um, uh, uh, it could be something that's absolutely pan, but if we both thought it was amazing, then that would do. Yeah. I, I don't know. We, I think we'd struggle. We'd struggle. We might get twenty. Because usually over the last like two or, th- two or three years, when it comes to our ten out of ten top tens at the end of the year, there's like one or two overlap, and they're usually the ones that we just think are very good. Yeah, yeah. But that was the except point. Boyhood. Of doing the pod- except boyhood. Yeah, but that was the point. Oh, that was the point of doing the podcast, though, wasn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be a lot. Be very boring if we uh, agreed. Mm. Mm. Anyway, um, for the self-reflection. I agree. <laughs> Um, no matter what you said then I was going to say I agree <laughs> I was going to say enough of the self-reflection but I just want to say I hope everyone enjoyed last week's compilation <laughs> we did have a, um, something out last week because we didn't have a, a normal podcast but we did have a compilation an hour long one to um, plug the gap to plug the gap indeed yeah there's some stuff I'd forgotten about the, the one that I the one that I thought was funny that I'd completely forgotten about was the uh, the reimagining of, uh, <laughs> of miscarriages of justice. <laughs> well, that was that was the oldest one on there. That was right a, after we did it. Yeah, but that was probably the most one of the most distasteful things I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> and it made the cut. Yeah, but cheers for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I particularly enjoyed the Eastern Boys review. When I listened back to that, it was quite amusing. That was silly. The Taylor Swift off was was also. I wish I'd put that on. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, so I hope everyone enjoyed that. Um, any sporting news? Do you want to talk about the the women 
being better than the men. Oh, at football? Yeah. Uh, I haven't really seen any of it, but it's uh, the least they're... I think they've never won a knockout match, and now they have. And they've never got to quarterfinals, and now they have. So it's good, all good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, the usual transfer ridiculousness that's uh, kicking around at the moment. But uh, oh, congratulations to the Gold State Warriors for winning the uh, NBA as well. Missed that one over the last two weeks. The Gold Sack. Golden State Warriors. Oh, uh, I was going to say, where's Gold Sack? It's ba- it's Oakland, basically. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't like Oakland. I don't like them in terms of um, uh, Amer- uh, baseball, oh. but that's about it. Okay. Um, you can still say well done. <laughs> begrudging me. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. So on to the week's film news, of which there have been some interesting tidbits. Really. Um. Well, let's start with James Mangold. Right, what's he done? Bought from the blue. He's going. To, his next project is going to be the film called Seducing Ingrid Bergman. What? Which concerns her affair with war, for, war photographer Robert Kappa in 1945. Now, right. can we t- talk about Bergman's exile from Hollywood? Because I thought yes. it was uh, all to do with Rossellini. The exile from Hollywood was, yes. Uh, but I've I've actually got my mum picked up. This is what when when you give birth to a film geek, this is then what you do. My mum was at a, ch- a church fete and uh, she saw a uh, Ingrid Bergman, my story, for like fifty p, and so she bought it for me <laughs> to have a read that. And the interesting thing with that is actually, which I never realised or knew, that Bergman was quite a prolific stage actress as well. I did not know that. Is that in her own country? Uh, no, in America as well, and uh, I believe um, my, uh, I believe she originated the role uh, that Debbie Carr had in Tea and Symphony, uh, Sympathy, in Paris. Wow! But uh, so, so I, stuff I never knew about Ingrid Bergman because of that book. Um, yeah, the ostracization in Hollywood was was absolutely because of the affair of Rossellini because it was so public and shameless. And incidentally, because I just mentioned Debbie Carr, she had a, a, a similar sort of. Uh, thing when she uh, uh, was having an affair with someone who wasn't her husband obviously that's, that's always what you do when you have an affair it's with somebody who isn't you know. <laughs> <laughs> unless she, you're she... trying to spice things up you know and do some role playing <laughs> <laughs> but um, no um, uh, basically she was it, it's, I think it's because that was because it was so public yeah but isn't that around the same time as this 1945. Uh, that was around about, it was, uh, I think it was around about 1950. Okay. She, basically, basically, he got her to do, it was after Joan of Arc, he got her to do uh, Stromboli, went out there, and of course he was with Anna Magnani at the time yeah. as well. Yeah. So that's the other That's the other uh, side of it. Well, he right. wasn't the first, according to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the downside to this fairly juicy setup is that the script is going to be written by the guy who wrote Grace of Monaco, oh Arash Amel. Mm. So, I mean, Grace of Monaco was the writing the worst uh, culprit there? Uh, Potentially. I, uh, maybe. Maybe. I did think it did try to put at least... If you look at it on the page, Yeah. to, to be fair, I think it did try to put you in uh, his position a bit more with what was going on with it. So if you knew nothing about Monaco or the way that the Principality works, you would actually 
learn quite a few things when you watch that film based on what Tim Roth's character, um, uh, uh, the, the tri- plights that he has in that film. So I, do, I don't think the screenplay is terrible. But the problem but, being that it's about her. So we might yeah. learn a lot about war photography from this one, but it's about Ingrid Bergman. Mm. So is he going to be able to really tap into her character? Well, who's he going to cast for a kickoff? That's oh, I'd, I don't you, know. If has, I don't know if there has been casting. I might have to look that one up. But uh, but it's it's an that is a completely unique angelic face. Um, it's uh, I just can't think of anyone who looks very off wide the top face of, as well. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone. Like sometimes you can, like Rosamund Pike is Greer Garson. She's not that far off it. You can get okay, fine. It doesn't look exactly like, but you can sort of like see it close. Close-ishness. You've got Anne Hathaway could easily be Judy Garland. Yeah, 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 yeah. and um, uh, obviously Matteo Malricci's Roman Polanski all over. Yeah. So the, the, there are some people when you think, okay, fine, it's not too bad, but then it, w- with this, I mean, when you're playing someone that famous, you do have to kind of look like them a bit. I think. I think or, you are. I think you are that to it really when it's when it is somebody like that. There's no um. There is no current casting. No. So we shall see what happens there. Um, it was on the blacklist, 2014 blacklist, the script. Yeah, but some of the films that come off that blacklist are really badly written when, when we actually do get around to seeing them. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's from the guy who wrote um, Coco Chanel and Igor Stravinsky wrote the book that this is based on. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, next bit of news is to do with Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah, is he getting an honorary knighthood? He's getting an honorary knighthood, yeah. For ruining British theatre. <laughs> is that not a bit harsh? Yeah, it's very harsh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, he's, I think he's pumped a lot of money into it. He's brought a lot of, um, to be fair, he's brought a lot of publicity towards it. Mm. And probably foreign interest. Hmm. Um, we do have a coming out story this week. <laughs> it didn't day that ends in what day it ends in what didn't involve Kevin Spacey, but um, this one involves Kristen Stewart. Now, Kristen Stewart, I heard that her mother outed her or something. Her like mother this. said that she is dating her female personal assistant. Right. So this is um, why she was so interested in doing Clouds of Sea Maria. Either that or it affected her. <laughs> um, but isn't that strange? Just not that she's into women, um, but the fact that that is so closely linked with um, the themes of Clouds of Sea Maria. Um, well, I guess it could uh, give you a little bit of an insight into what made her want to do it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, so that's an interesting turn of events. But we love yeah. Kristen. Um, all yeah. the more now, frankly. What's the, what, what's the last... Um, well, the last, well, unsurprising one was when Ezra Miller came out. But I quite liked how he came out. It was on his own terms. It was in a magazine interview. There was no pressure for it. There wasn't... It didn't seem to be as if he was having to do this in order yeah. to uh, preempt something. We and had Joel was... Grey. <laughs> <laughs> Not so long ago. 
we had um, Joel Gray. Joel, Joel Gray coming out was just as surprising as t- today when I heard that Matthew Loudon was get, getting bought by a championship team. <laughs> Who's he play for? He's played for Villa. Uh, he's like a fill-in left back. He's now uh, replacing Trippier at Burnley. Oh God! But we had Ben Wishaw. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few. They're coming out slowly but surely. More on that later with Mr. McKellar. <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about a death that's happened just today, actually. Um, yeah. Which is James Horner, who died in a plane crash at the age of 61. Um, prolific on the film composing. Yeah. So well, not, he's not quite the day splar on the uh, volume stakes, but he certainly... I mean, he's done what seventy over seventy five things in the last twenty five years. So he's doing at least three a year. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, really. Mm. Um, and there will be uh, his hurrah will be Southpaw, which is the Jake Gyllenhaal boxing film, which is coming out right shortly. Um, I I mean I I don't know how many scores we we can actually commit to memory. I can't commit many to memory. I've I've just been looking down. I've just been looking down his list, and uh, the ones that I, I mean, you look at the, obviously he won the Oscar for Titanic and he got nominated a bunch of the times. Um, the ones that I sort that sort of make a immediate leap off the uh, list for me when you when you scroll down it is mm. something like the Pelican Brief because uh, when you the, with the Pelican Brief score it's all that sort of like jangly piano. Uh, but it's, it really, really does add to the atmosphere and eeriness and tension of it. It's that that sort of that score does exactly what a good score should do. Yeah, and it's, uh, func- it's functional. Well, it's better yeah. than functional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think probably the the most beautiful score he's done. Well, oh well, poof, certainly this decade would be something like the Boy in Striped Pajamas. I mean, just lovely. I mean, it's a. Uh, the, the, the score for that is really, really, really nice. Mm. What about the new world as well? Uh, yes, yes, but I think uh, as with most Malik, so there's a lot of non, uh, there's a lot of uh, non-score, yeah, 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 type type stuff. Yeah. But then you do still have to uh, tie it all together. Um, obviously, he's you sort of link him with the Titanic's New Beautiful Minds because they were the big Oscar. I, th- type I stuff. think Titanic gets all the, the love, and to be mm. fair, Titanic's very kind of chills down the back of your spine, inducing, mm. um, and it is the most iconic of what he's done. Mm. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; the man was a Shostakovich thief. There's, there is, <laughs> there is no getting around it. But um, something like Enemy at the Gates. I mean, he is ripping off. It's a film about um, Russia because it's uh, the Jude Law and Ed Harris and um, dueling snipers, but. The, but it's when you, something like that, it is literally he's uh, he's almost giving homage to a very specific Shostakovich symphony, uh, which was written during a similar sort of time. And then if you take something like Troy, he literally takes in one of the battle scenes uh, a theme from Shostakovich's fifth, the, the finale of it. Mm. And it's actually it, it depends whether you get offended by it or not. Now. I, I've seen people online get offended by it. I get mock offended by it because at the end of the day, if you can if you can uh, sneak it in there, because he's obviously he, 
obviously a fan. I think um, if you can sneak it in there, then why not? If it works, why not? Does it have to? Is every single phrase that you have to do musically be original? No. We're talking about hundreds of things he's worked on. He can't Mm. do hundreds of uh, original work. You know, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, composers in other fields um, didn't didn't do anywhere near that that amount of volume. No. You know, it's kind of you have to vary it as much as you can, but at certain points you must think you must have to look at certain things for inspiration. And also, you're going to have your influences. I mean, even if you look at someone absolutely atrocious like Ed Sheeran, I mean, you're going to hear the Justin Timberlake rip-offness of some of them. You're gonna, it, 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 it's just going to happen. Uh, I remember Noel Gallagher saying that um, he can point, or he goes on to album by album and point, yeah, rip that off from there, rip that off from there, stole that from there, that's from there, that's from there, and you can. But it doesn't make it any less good. It's, the question is, does it work? And that score for Troy does work. Yeah. In that in that moment when you're watching it, um, okay, I'm a geek, uh, 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 and I was doing my dissertation on Shostakovich, so I knew immediately what it was. <laughs> but it's still quite stirring and effective, and um, it works. Yeah. Certainly one of the better points of the film. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, when you look at his, when you look at look down at it, the, the thing that really strikes me is just the number of really high profile. Big Hollywood films that were there, like your like your Patriot Game sneakers. They're not necessarily um, uh, Oscar uh, juggernauts no. or uh, or even serious films in that respect. But big films that you did watch, but if you were like uh, uh, the sort of age I was around then, uh, a lot and, of uh, um, a lot of kind of kid childhood favourites of mine, like Jumanji. You've got mm. Balto. You've got the Page Master. Like yeah. films I haven't thought about in years and years. You but, know. I think I think one of the ones that really will like and do, it has lasted because you hear it on classic FM is something like Braveheart score. It's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful, uh, it, a piece of music in its own right, and Nicole. it really it really suits the film as well. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the way it's used. Mm, it's cheesy. <laughs> yeah, at times, <laughs> but, but that's not that's not the fault of uh, Porno, Definitely not. No. Um. Yeah. So shame, a crying shame there. No age, it's no age in the modern nowadays, is it? No. Um. Okay. So uh, quickly before we do preconceptions, I've caught up with a couple of films that you've seen from this oh, year. God. Oh god. That you like. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> the first being Kingsman: The Secret Service. I didn't love it. This is I said fine. like. I said like. <laughs> okay. Fine. I said like. <laughs> I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's all right. It's all right, isn't it? I mean, it's it's it's. More, can you see what I mean when I was saying that this is? It basically really wants to be a Bond film. It's trying to take back being a Bond film uh, because it doesn't really exist anymore with the modern spy stories, even the even the modern James Bonds. Yeah, I just really like the whole Chav arc, the you know the Chav <laughs> to spy arc. It gets yeah. kind of novel and it's. Um, it works and it's quite funny with the humour and I like the lad. Um, He's good, isn't he? He is good. Yeah. I, I thought it just really worked. I mean, I think that it's absolutely ridiculous plotting-wise. Oh, that's Jane Goldman for you, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole... what um, When she goes up in the balloon to oh. shoot the satellite. <laughs> yes. It's like, what? And so, why has Samuel L. Jackson got a lisp? I, I think he was just um, running with it. I think he was just uh, 
that was how he's finding his way into the character. It's a bit like we'll get to later with Sherlock, where just that the actor didn't know what to do, so he just decided to put uh, wear a stupid hat to get into the character. <laughs> um, and what about Mark Strong's Scottish accent? It's in and out, isn't it? Deary me. It is. Well, more on that later. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> oh God. The sounds that were coming out of that woman's mouth. Good grief. <laughs> It's like an opposite of Isabel Huppert when the sounds that just come out of her mouth are hilarious. Well, this, this was hilarious too. So in fact, it's very similar, just for opposite reasons. <laughs> Wonderful actress, but dear Lord. It's true. Put a it's, muzzle on it. It's true. We'll get there. We'll get there. I um, couldn't wait. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Kingsman, I liked it. Um, I think it's very silly fun. Very throwaway, though. Well, it's going to be a sequel, obviously, because it's made so much money. Yeah. I wouldn't begrudge it a sequel, honestly. Um, and secondly, I saw Woman in Gold. Right. Ooh, but, but you didn't like that one. I thought it was okay. Yeah. It's just a bit... Um, Bland? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just wish it had more going on. I mean, I think it, I think the trailer is completely misrepresentative of the film. Yes. Absolutely. You know, the film doesn't really go for laughs very often at all. No. And uh, what do you think of Reynolds? Because it's sort of role where it doesn't require to do very much. So it's either uh, good because he's uh, stripping away what's what he's got stepping outside his comfort zone, or it's really boring. It's boring. I don't think he. <laughs> I don't think he does it badly. I think no. he's good. Um. I like with the back Holmes. and forth. I, I think I think he's, I like the back and forth with him and her. The longer it goes, but it's not a. It's all. It's the Mirren show. The whole thing. I mean, Mirren's quite good. It's interesting because what we talked two weeks ago about her winning a Tony for the Queen. Yeah. Uh, for the audience, and basically a couple of days after Harvey Weinstein put out some FYC ads for the Woman in Gold Best Actress. Right. Uh, I don't think that's likely because it was just so early on in the year. But then again, with best actors, it can happen. You look at uh, uh, two thousand and six, seven. Do I mean seven? No, yeah, I do Cotillard. mean seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Cotillard was early, as was um, uh, Christie, as was Angelina Jolie, and it was the, the thought process at the time was, well, uh, the 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 year will have to bomb for them to all stick around, and in the end. They were the two were the front runners, and uh, Jolie only just missed out. Yeah, but um, also, um, it's—I mean, it's sort of like it's—it's it's a very baity role for her, um, and at, it's made over thirty million dollars in America, mm. which helps. Or you know, the kind—it's the right demographic, yeah. but at the same time, it's not—I I can't really see this. It's not a film for people to get passionately behind, I don't think. No. No. But I, th- I thought she was quite good. As I, I don't really think she's awards level, but... I, mm. Yeah, I think she does what she can with it. I think it's a great story. Don't get me wrong, it's, you know. It's really interesting, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, interesting story. I just... Um, maybe could have could have played out a bit more. Mm. Uh, different angles to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Right. Preconceptions? Yes, uh, this week we're doing Jurassic World belatedly because it was the only thing that was out last week. 
frankly. Yeah, it was pretty grim last week, so we, we gave it a miss. Uh, we're doing Accidental Love, Girlhood, and Mr. Holmes. So, what were your preconceptions for Jurassic World? Okay, I'll rephrase. What did you think of Jurassic Park? Because <laughs> that's the preconception, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'd only seen Jurassic Park. I'd not seen any of its other sequels. Okay. Um, I really love Jurassic Park. I think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. And... But that has no bearing on this. I mean, I thought that this was um, potentially, well, just exploiting the original, um, another cynical studio ploy. Mm. Chris Pratt off the back of Guardians, let's get him in. Yeah. Um, Basically, I wasn't expecting it to be any good, but it was the only thing that was out last week, so I went to see it. Yeah, cool. I think the original is really good. It was, uh, I think I saw that. That was that or Batman Returns was the film I saw twice in the cinema for the first time when I was a kid. Yeah, I saw it too. Yeah, um, and um, yeah. So uh, this, the whole the whole wow factor of the first one uh, was in the special effects. It was because you just hadn't seen anything like it before. Yeah. Uh, so that was a large part of the appeal. But then you've also got uh, an impeccable cast and. Uh, some, uh, Spielberg, really, yeah, really interesting characters as well uh, to go along with um, uh, everything else. Um, then, then the sequels. I've seen bits of the sequels here and there on TV down the years, but it's it's just maybe just think ugh. Um, it's nothing. It, as in, uh, so with this one, it, the fact that it's more like it seemed. I thought it was going to be more of a reboot. I didn't think it was necessarily going to be a. Uh, uh, Jurassic World 4 even though apparently it might be or slash is or whatever I don't know don't really care um, but uh, Chris Pratt being in it is plus because uh, he's really good mm. and um, I like Bryce Dallas Howard so the cast um, was uh, interesting and um, I was going in with a bit of goodwill okay uh, how about Accidental Love well it's David O. Russell so there's not much is it? there oh is it Stephen Green <laughs> I think when you look at it, that, that they got there are only two days from finishing it. Yeah. That if there are only two days from finishing the film, no, obvious... no, no, no. Stephen Green is David Russell. That's yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically you can't have an Alan Smithy anymore. So, but what for anybody who doesn't know what's happened with this film is that he was making this film before he did the Fighter, and there were lots and lots and lots of uh, financial problems in the wake of the credit crunch. And uh, they got shut down uh, multiple times, and the last time they got shut down was two days before they were supposed to finish. And they deliberately not shot, as you've seen in films down the years about Hollywood, they deliberately not shot one of the key scenes in the film uh, uh, until the very end, so that they could keep it going. Uh, and then years later, someone's resurrected it and tried to get him back involved, assembled a cut and said, Would you, can, we, can we do a deal to get you back on? And he's uh, declined because the producers were being forced out, forced to take massive pay cuts to do it, and so they've hired someone else to finish it for him. Uh, but of course, the other thing is, it's all very well saying, well, it was almost shot, but then the whole point of the film is in the editing. So you can check, completely change the tone, you're always picking the takes. Yeah, um, he could have um, he could have disowned it altogether, mm. which like sort of like um, Tony K did. Mm. So he's kind of in the middle with it. Yeah, he's not throwing them under the bus for it. Let's no. put it that way. Um, so um, it, I was expecting 
a train wreck, frankly. Right. Because okay. uh, it's just it is a preconception when you get a film that's finished by somebody else. Um, I knew Jessica Biel was in it. Um, she's fine. Um, not, not the, none of the cast is really a massive plus for me, but um, uh, it's what well, it's something to watch basically <laughs> this week. Yeah. Um, I remember being quite excited for it when they were making it. Mm. I thought it seemed like a really interesting premise. And I had quite a lot of goodwill towards David Russell at the time. Um, so this would have been on the back of Huckabees, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, God, what else? what else is there? Russell. Um, uh, earlier on you had... Uh, Three in Kings. Three Kings, yeah, Three Kings. Um... And then back in the day, you were at um, Spanking the Monkey. Yeah. Um, there's another one as well. I can't remember what it's called. Um, something and something. This, uh, flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster, that's it. So, uh, yeah, um, anyway, uh, this, was, this seemed like an exciting premise, but, I mean, here we are seven years later. Mm. Um... I was expecting, like you, I was expecting this to be a mess. Um, but it was available, so yeah. And it's it's interesting to look back on, you know. To, it's in it's kind of morbid curiosity as well, you know. Yeah. Um, girlhood. Girlhood. This is Selena Sharma. I really liked Tomboy. Um, so she's a huge plus for me as a director. So this was a no-brainer for me. It hasn't actually come out near me yet. That is my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I uh, I think as a director, she's really interesting. I don't love uh, either of the two films of hers I've seen, which are uh, Tomboy and Water Lilies. Okay. But I think Water Lilies is is very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of the imagery is fantastic. So I think she's uh, one of those women uh, who, are in the late part of the decade, really, especially to do with foreign cinema, really put down a marker. That, you know, you know, it's it's not it's like was it the Francis McDormand quote or was it or, or Holly Hunter? Said we, we, they said we, women directors don't need help. Don't need help. We haven't needed help for years. We need money. Absolutely. And, and that's and that's it. I mean, I think there's one year. I think it might be 2009 where, like, I think like four of my five noms are women, um, just because it's it just it was, and there'd be loads more in the top 20 as well. Mm. Uh, but she was like leading the leading the uh, way on this. And um, uh, Tomboy, I didn't like as much as you, mm-hmm. um, but I still thought it was uh, very decent um, and it's interesting visually. So. I would have seen this. I did try and watch this online, but there aren't any subtitles or weren't on the uh, ones I could find. Um. Uh, so I, I gave it. So I, I kn- all my preconception was that I knew it was about um, uh, at least something to do with women's football. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not. It's not. Is that just the, her form of exercise at the beginning of the film? Is this a false conception? <laughs> well, it can be a false conception. It's fine. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes, um, Ian McKellen is a plus for me. I think he's really good. Um, he was also good in the last film he made with Bill Condon, Gods yeah. and Monsters. Yeah, Bill Condon, awesome. Bill Condon I actually quite like. Um, I thought Kinsey was really good. 
and I've got time for dream girls. Um, Someone's got to. <laughs> and Sherlock Holmes, I am a mystery fan, so I was excited um, to see a film about a, you know, detective. Um, yeah. I was hoping it was going to be interesting in that sense. Um, uh, Laura Linney's a plus. Mm. I um. With with Bill Condon, I'd completely like blanked out everything he'd done after Kinsey. <laughs> so in my it's like before, before you just mentioned this, or um, I've thought about it, or gone up on his page after seeing this film now, I complete I knew that he'd done a couple of Twilight films. Oh I must, God, I forgot about that. I must have known at the time that he did the Fifth Estate, but I just completely just and Dreamgirls. I, I, obviously, I'm aware the film exists. I know it was like. Uh, Oscars, all that sort of stuff. I remember it very well from the time, but I've completely forgotten uh, that he made it and that was a thing. So, um, really, uh, for him, I only really think of Kinsey and Gods and Monsters, and obviously both are impeccably acted, and that's what I expect from a Bill Condon film. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKellen, I like I like Ian McKellen quite a lot. I don't think he's amazing, but I, I do like him. He's, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen the man be bad, or, yeah. even, or even below average, quite frankly. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a good actor and but it's really the pairing it's the pairing of him and Condon when he was so good in Gods and Monsters that's what um, was making me think yeah this is going to be this is going to be good do you have any affinity with Sherlock Holmes not really mm-hmm. not really I don't watch the um, uh, TV show uh, I didn't that's, like the Robert that's Danny good I, did, I didn't uh, like the, the Robert Danny Jr. one no recently. me neither um, but I did I have read um, uh, Hound of the Basketballs and did, do like it as a book. So. Okay. Mm. Alright, so I'll do Jurassic World. Really? Are you leaving me accidental love? Cheers! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, right, so Jurassic World. This is um, following on from Richard Attenborough's vision um, of a theme park for dinosaurs um, it, his vision has been realised in Jurassic World mm. um, which is a fully functioning theme park run by Bryce Dallas Howard in Costa Rica which apparently only Americans go to <laughs> oh god um, she's a very shrewd businesswoman <laughs> she's um, many things she's what? she's many things when her nephews come to visit the park, she uh, pawns them off to her assistant. Um, but that Judy de- Greer's offspring, thank you very Judy much. Judy Greer's offspring, okay, okay. <laughs> Saddled again, Jude. Um, so Bryce, basically Bryce pawns them off to her assistant, um, but later that day, the new super-duper dinosaur at the park escapes from its pen. And she is forced to undertake a mission to rescue her nephews, along with Chris Pratt, who is a raptor specialist at the park. And the two of them attempt to save the deer and stop the dinosaur from killing everybody in sight. Mm. Uh, first thing, this is more like post-inception, because when you get into the control room and Jake Johnson's in there, I was just like, oh yes, how cool, how refreshing. To see somewhat just some indie actor uh, get a role like this in a big, huge film. And it's because, ridiculously, 
It's the guy who directed Safety is Not Guaranteed who made this film. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Which I had no clue. And you got Omar C in there as well. It's like, great, pick up the paycheck. I love it. Judy Greer, awesome. Being a completely cheesy t- uh, two-dimensional cringe fest at the, for the, uh, of, a, of a framing device for the first two minutes. <laughs> I don't care. Pay that mortgage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I, well, let's talk about... Trevorrow because it's it's a bit of a random one, isn't it? For him, to it's get extraordinarily this random. But I mean, obviously the man's gonna. Given safety, he's not guaranteed. Obviously, the man's gonna be a bit of a geek, uh, which kind of lends itself. Which is why I think uh, it works with this one because it it harks back to the uh, original so much. I agree. Uh, yeah, it's it's very. I think that you can tell Spielberg's an executive producer on this. I think you can tell. Because it really does, it's very, very old-fashioned in the way that it approaches this kind of genre. Um, it's sort of shades of *Romancing the Stone* um, with Bryce and Chris. I just felt they were very archetypal characters, you know, and it was a very much an adventure story. Yeah. Um, very much about the adventure, very much about the storytelling, as opposed to the, the success, the successful woman and the. Um capable but uh rough uh, yeah. ragged yeah bloke yeah yeah, yeah so you mean. and that really did work i mean i think they did they did that side of it well um it's not obviously not as good as romancing the stone no. um but I, I appreciated that that was prioritized above the cgi and there weren't there wasn't too many um long sequences of action where you were checking your watch no i don't think i checked my phone once in this film, actually, no. to be perfectly fair. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, really, I mean, I've seen, like, I think Tim Roby did a little tweet on this or something like that saying that just the, the stock uh, uh, screenwriting hole is filled with magic DNA. That's the excuse for everything. That, that, that really doesn't actually make any sense. Um, but... Um, like the tree frog. Yeah, I mean, the, it is ridiculous, the actual, what, what, Sets all this in motion. It's is, ridiculous, anyway. It's complete. No, but it's completely unbelievable. Um, the uh, with how it gets out, etc., etc., etc. You know, it's going to get out. I think. Um, I think it takes a. Uh, this film takes a, a. It's sweet time getting going, but once it once everything is on the loose, it does pick up quite significantly, and uh, that's when the uh, strength of the film does come through. Yeah. The problem, the main negative for me, rather than the more than the uh, opening taking its t- t- sweet time taking getting everything off, is that ridiculous subplot where Chris Pratt is basically the Steve Irwin of Velociraptors and is training them, and then Vincent D'Onofrio turns up and he's like, "Yes, we're going to use that. We're going to utilize those for military purposes. Can you imagine those bad boys going into Torabora mm. and what they do? No, I can't." I, I can't actually imagine you utilising raptors in a, in a military way and yeah. s- setting them loose on some uh, poor, unsuspecting Muslims. I can't imagine that at all. <laughs> the problem is, the film doesn't have a villain. The dinosaur is not a villain. No. Because it's making some pretty grand political points here. Mm. Um, basically saying that sea, well, SeaWorld is, takes a bit a bit of the brunt of it. Mm. That gets a real um, because there's actually a scene where um, 
they're at like a an outdoor it's very coliseum and it's exactly like sea world mm-hmm. and basically it's saying that because they've they've nurtured this dinosaur on its own because they haven't given it interaction with any dinosaurs interaction yeah. with any humans that is why it's behaving the way it's behaving mm. so the dinosaur can't really be blamed here we also blackfish thank you <laughs> <laughs> so in that well way, obviously it's... about one percent of the people who've seen jurassic world will have seen blackfish but <laughs> this is probably going to be more effective than blackfish <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> but it's very anti-corporate this film Oh yeah, sure, sure, um, sure. But that's why it needs Vincent D'Onofrio. It needs a villain. But, yeah. But it is really, really tacked on. Mm. But um, I, so I, I agree with you. I like uh, Pratt and Howard. Uh, uh, I think they work together. I think there's a bit of chemistry there. I think it. Uh, I especially it, liked her actually. Yeah, she's good. She's good. I mean, there are moments when they try and get to try too much, but she. It's not. Uh, she. I don't think she goes over the top with it. My, not... my my issue would more be with the kid, the child actors who are just both just really poor, <laughs> and and the, the younger one in particular, I just wanted to somebody just come and eat him quickly. <laughs> yeah, but it's like with Bryce, it's sort of like that. The the hairspray gets worn down, and that's like supposed to enlighten on the character. Elizabeth no, but there, there was like... a point when I just thought she's still really really well made of her during all of this. <laughs> Well, I think there's a bit of... I, I think there are continuity problems with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> I think the hair goes bad, and then it goes to vaguely presentable when it comes mm. to the end, where she's got to look nice. Mm. It's a bit of yeah. a Godzilla moment. Mm. I think um, if you're looking at it really, uh, it is a very, very well-worn arc. I think it's based... Uh, uh, the actual just general arc of the film is really, really retreading the original's uh, footsteps, especially, oh, yeah. with, especially with the kids in peril, blah, 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 blah. Where I think the first one uh, gained points for, if not believability, then just uh, making it just a little bit different was the very fact that um, Sam Neill and uh, Laura Dern were paleontologists. They're not tough guys. Okay, fine, because we've had this spoon-fed that... Uh, I, I, Indiana Jones as archaeologist. He's in a very geeky um, profession, but he's this cool badass. And uh, yet, when it comes to uh, Sam Neill in that film, he's not cool. He's not a badass, but his knowledge gets him through it, and he and he and he's still not uh, doesn't freeze in the moment. With yeah. this, it's not that that they're going for. It, and, and there's the line, "Your boyfriend's a badass," and um, yeah. that is that is how they're playing it, and it is more two dimensional because of that. It is, yeah. e- even if you are trying to say that he is somebody who intrinsically understands animal behaviour. Okay. He's sensitive to animals as well. Yeah, that's his main. His yeah, that's main... fleshing out. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's still also... less interesting. Yeah. Also, in Jurassic uh, Park, you've got kind of you've got Neil and Dern together, and then you've got the kids together, and, and the kids Jeff Goldblum. Is... Yeah. And when you insert him in as well, there's, uh, there's it adds something to it. Uh, because uh, you get just get this sort of like chink away at the uh, at Dern and Neil's relationship, but then also you get some, a, a different point of view on it all. Whereas in this, there isn't really a different point of view because it's just a two D villain. You have the two D villain in um, uh, Jurassic Park with uh, the bloke who's trying to uh, run off with all the stuff. Then you get the non two D villain who is actually uh, Attenborough because he's the one who's like trying not to. Um, uh, uh, let his, everything disappear yeah. but 
he, he does come good. Then you get, then you get other people who are just completely cowardly and they're going to get off. With this one, it's almost as if they've got to off a lot of the uh, uh, supporting characters who just get introduced just because they've got to kill somebody. Irfan Khan. Mm. I mean, why not have when Judy realizes the the nephews are not being looked after properly? Why not have Judy go up to the go drive up to the park and get involved in all this? And get, it's in Costa Rica. And get oh right, okay. Get can, the woman an Oscar. I was going to say get get lost in a forest with Erfan Khan and let's have a little intercut intercut between them you know them two parents uh, just something a little bit more interesting I think it needed in there mm. what do you think mm. about the whole the um, the success of the film the commercial success of it because it's, it's not unsurprising it's not unsurprising but uh, because uh, it appeals to a lot of people of my age and older so, so like thirty, it appeals to uh, people in the thirties, forties who were young when the original first hit the screens, and then it's going to appeal to the kids who, who like a big CGI film and might not necessarily have seen the, the original because yeah. it's because it's over twenty years old. Well, true, yeah. But uh, I'd, I'd rather something like this um, that does that well than just the next one in the line of Marvel superhero films. Yeah. Or something like San Andreas, which is, you know, I think it's mm. dumber than this film. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. The Velociraptors and their military uh, potential. <laughs> That's the podcast title, The Military Potential. <laughs> military Potential. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to give Jurassic World a B-. minus. Yeah, I'm going to give it three stars, a high three stars, uh, but I think it's got uh, too many niggly things to be any more than that, so six yeah. out of ten. Yeah. Right, accidental love. That just... <laughs> Given that um, <laughs> David O. Russell bedecked everybody out in American Hustle as if it was a 70s porn film, it's <laughs> almost rather fitting that this film has a title that wouldn't be out of place. Um... <laughs> In the Family Planet Clinic? I prefer the original title, which was Nail. Uh, That uh, is a great title. I think he uh, would too. And it is about a woman uh, played by Jessica Biel, who is a roller skating waitress who is, whilst being proposed to by her Indiana State Trooper boyfriend, who is played by James Marsden, so that's obviously one of the uh, prettiest couples in cinematic history that we've got on screen here. (laughs) Uh, uh, in the midst of uh, a very uh, poorly uh, executed proposal from Marsden uh, a man who was uh, fixing uh, something a sign above their head with a staple gun uh, ends up stapling a nail into Miss Beale's uh, perfectly fringed head Uh, and and because she cannot afford the $150,000 and she doesn't have uh, insurance, the doctors kick her out and she decides that the only way that she can uh, help herself and others in, in positions similar to her, although really, quite frankly, no one's in a position similar to her. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the, a position. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she decides to go to Washington and try and... Uh, move the uh, immeasurable mass that is Congress into passing a healthcare bill so that people like her may benefit without uh, having insurance. I thought you were going to say 
immovable mass that is Jake Gyllenhaal, given that he's clearly on the way to Prince of Persia in this. He's, he, the boy's been to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I think he moved into the gym, frankly. <laughs> it's it's, it's eye-popping, pop, eye quite literally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was definitely not enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's let's start with this, the fact that this was made seven years ago. Can, a, can you tell? B, does it matter? C, is it dated or compromised because of it? They look younger. I don't think it matters. Um, no, me but, neither. But the problem is that it's uh, the topics it's going with. Uh, Obama, did, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, he did pass a healthcare bill. It was a big issue. Back then. Obamacare. Yeah. I, I think it was probably watered down, I seem to remember. So obviously, we're British. We don't really care um, mm. about what happens with America's health system. Um, uh, but I seem to remember that um, it was getting uh, uh, sabotaged left and right. Uh, yeah. But, That's so I, I remember it being a huge issue around the time of his election. Um but I don't think it's necessarily um, irrelevant now. I don't, and I think there's elements of it which are quite ahead of its time, because there's a lot. There's a, it's very uh, in the loop, Veep. You know all the Ianucci films, uh, yeah. projects. It's kind of reminiscent of that, and it actually comes sort of around the same time as in the loop. In fact, a little bit before in the loop. Mm. So it's um. I do think it's um, quite eye-opening in that sense. I'm not sure how far that kind of those elements mesh with the screwball tone of it. Mm. Although I did laugh a lot at this film. I did not. Okay. Uh, in general, but doesn't necessarily think I mean it was bad. Yeah, it's very very manic. <laughs> it is, and. This is one of those ones where Jessica Biel, she is trying. She's great. She's really... I, I don't know how she does this. I, because she's got to be... It's sort of like she's got to roll along. Everyone supports her in the film, you know, apart from Catherine Keener. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, dear God, Catherine Keener. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> but at the same time, Biel's got to be the catalyst for a lot of what happens, a lot of the crazy shit that happens. Mm. And she's got to play this kind of erratic, neurotic character. And she does do it well, considering that, you know, this could have been a disaster. Mm. Well, of course, she wouldn't have known that at the time. Um, she didn't know, obviously, that they would have had a troubled shoot, but they wouldn't yeah. necessarily have known that it would end up doing a Margaret in a very different way. <laughs> But it's um, a very fine line anyway, what with the tone and what with the... You could easily get an actress to make this character unbearable. Yeah, I don't think she's unbearable at all. I think for the most part it's... Uh, uh, she, she, she's the glue that holds it together and stops it being the mess that you might think it would have been uh, otherwise. Yeah. Um, uh, I really... As I, as I said, I, I, wasn't, I get the satire. I do understand it. I just wasn't finding it funny. Mm. Um... But I did. I started to laugh more when it, when the final third kicks in, and it's more stuff to do. I think the, the thing that really started started making me laugh 
was when uh, the smear campaign suddenly starts to hit. Oh, the viral videos. <laughs> and uh, no, and they're just like the, uh, their way to get around this. I mean, it's a ridiculous thought that it's just like a load of Girl Scouts and yeah. uh, Jessica Biel are going to take on the government. But then to then do an advert accusing them all of lesbianism. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 actually I did find it, and then so she like you got Catherine Keener doing interviews where she's like de- deploring their their evil gayness or whatever the line was. <laughs> it's a, that's when it starts to pick up. So I do think the final third, even though it does involve a, a fairly uh, grandstanding uh, finale, which you kind of thought it was probably going to go in, I think that's the most successful part of the film because it really finds it it, it hits the mark uh, and the balance between silliness and. Uh, Really, actually, getting uh, getting the humour um, uh, on a very broad level. Yeah, I th- I th- I think the silliness rarely veers into stupidity. Um, definitely, it's mostly stays the right side of that. Mm. And I just uh, there were some some things that really made me laugh, like when they start when they uh, first sleep together, and he's like, um, finds out he's she's got a nail in her head when they've just done it. Mm. And it's like, he's like saying he's trying to like put out you know make out that part of its due was charm. She's like, no, it's just the nail. Yeah, I, that I, kind I, of thing really. I quite like me. I quite like the little bit before that where he's like kissing her and she's like coming on to him in the hall and he's like, no, no, we can't, we can't dis, we can't dis in here. But this room is really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just little things like that. Because um, Jake Jake is on a completely different planet. It is a very very big manic performance. Um, and I think that's I don't think I don't think his performance gels with the rest of the tone of the film it's certainly at complete odds to uh, the sporting cast of like uh, uh, just schlepping around following Bill uh, the, the style of humour doesn't match because they're more uh, one liners um, uh, taking just actively taking the mick out of uh, situations and what have you whereas with Gyllenhaal it's, it's much more in the satire uh, and uh, silliness uh, and manic zaniness of it all. Yeah, and that's why the editing might be quite important for a film like this. Oh, very, yeah. To kind of, you know, gauge the, the arc of the performances and try and measure them against each other mm. and use, I mean, if there's been a lot of takes, which I think David o. Russell does do a lot of takes, Yeah. then um, trying to find the right one that would, you know, that would mark that path a lot more clearer. Um, is quite important. Um, I do. I do think that I would give this a pass as a film. Mm. If I was on Rotten Tomatoes, I'd, I'd I would give it a pass because I think a lot of effort's been made. I think You'd be in it's short witty. company. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's about ten percent. Uh, yeah, it's it's really low. Um, I think that's unfair. I I really I laughed a lot. I think it's got a lot of. I think it's got a lot to give. It's I can't give a bad grade to a film as generous as this one is. It's pretty as earnest. Well acted as it is. It, it's pretty earnest. I think after the hour, I probably just said it was a below below average, two star, not particularly uh, good film. But I think the last third in just about engenders enough goodwill in me to actually think, yeah, that was alright. But it, it wasn't. It wasn't a terrible time um, watching it. It's 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 a. Uh, nor do I think it's a particular chore either. Fine, I, I might not have been that entertained for for long parts of it, but it's still not. I don't think it's a particularly bad film by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. What What do you think? Because it is very screwball. 
What do you think it's most resembles screwball wise? Because this is very difficult. Because it's obviously it's got the court scene, like well not the court scene, the Congress scene, which is kind of similar to uh, Mrs. Smith goes to Washington, mm. um, things like that. I mean, I think the uh, the the one I would prefer compare it to, and I don't really know why, because it's not as if there's massive zippy 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 super fast back and forth, which this film has. Well, it's got more of a His Girl Friday sort of um, mm. tone to it, rather than something like a Barbara Stanwyck one or an Irene Dunn. Uh, what about Theodora Goes screen. Wild? Is that not about her being a bit crazy? Mm. I'm not seeing that one. It's it's certainly... It's it's not... I think because in this one, Hall is off the charts. It doesn't really get into bringing up baby kind of one where it's just uh, her crazy and just annoying him all the time. Uh, it doesn't have that vibe because he's probably more unhinged than she, way more unhinged than she is. Yeah, but uh, I think it, it's it's more of a modern. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel. I, know, I hadn't actually thought screwball until you mentioned. It. Of course, it, I, I can see now exactly why you'd say it. I hadn't yeah. actually thought it, thought it myself. I um, think it's a good. I mean, because we often say that you can't replicate that. Something like Leatherheads, for instance. Tried. Uh, sorry. It tried. Yeah. I think this is something that manages to hark back to that and still be its own thing, which is kind of admirable. But um, it's just a real shame that they couldn't get that money together and get it done at the time. Because mm. I think because of the story, people are already kind of on, on its back a bit. Mm. Mm. It's, an, it's an interesting cast that you see with the sort of people he was going with before. He made it big. Really, well, really, really big. Kirsty Alley. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And all the Kirsty Alley um, appearance in the lesbian, <laughs> the anti gay propaganda was just hysterical. Oh, dear. And, and, yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of cultural references in there, and um, I do think. Um, it re- it requires um, at least a working knowledge, a working knowledge of American politics because it doesn't. I don't think it would um, sit as well if you tried to do that story in this country. I think it's a very American story in that respect. But yeah. uh, it's a. Uh, I don't think it's, it's the write-off that the reviews might suggest. I agree. I'm giving it a B minus. I'm probably I'm in a generous mood. I'm going to give it three stars. Just I think I think it's an average film. I've seen far worse. It's uh, so I'll give it five out of ten. Good, good. Okay, I'm going to be quick with Girlhood mm-hmm. because we've been very yeah. generous with the podcast thus far. Yeah, it's on quite a bit already. Um, so Girlhood, it's about a 15 year old uh, girl living in France in a dodgy estate somewhere just outside Paris. She's living with her mother. Versailles. <laughs> a dodgy state. Yeah, Marie Antoinette too. <laughs> this... <laughs> the illegal years. <laughs> the cake years. Um, yeah, she's living with her mother, her two younger sisters and her older brother. The mother's not very hands-on. She works, you know, nights as a cleaner. The brother's fairly abusive, tends to get physical with her when he thinks she's done something wrong. 
basically like in kind of a gang. Um, one day she meets these three girls and they invite her to go to Paris with them for the day. Eventually she kind of becomes the fourth member of the gang and gets more confident, becomes more feminine and gets into boys. Right. See, because what I thought you were going to say was that um, uh, it starts off when she's about six years old and it follows all the way through to when she's 18 and uh, the, what happened with the, uh, her mom, Patricia Arquette, and that abusive bloke is just uh, seeing a completely different light through the girl's eyes. <laughs> Trust me, there's nothing quite as outlandishly <laughs> as that. <laughs> plotted. As that, yeah, outlandishly plotted as that guy mm. swirling his... Um, bourbon around <laughs> like a dog on heat it's the one false note in that film really let's be fair it is but we can forgive yes um firstly there's shades of fish tank um in the setup right yeah, yeah, yeah. she's in this rough area she's pretty lonely um at least in the beginning mm. and she wants you know she wants to better herself but she isn't quite sure how she wants to go to college to high school but she's um, a year behind and she's fading in this year so they say that she has to do an apprenticeship so she wants to um she wants to do this but the film doesn't succumb to manipulation the way that fish tank does right because fish tank and i'm not, i don't i've got time for fish tank it's all right but um the ending is a real real low point mm. um the um the tragic the potential tragedy incident that happens mm. not a fan of that mm. and I wasn't a fan of the um the shackled horse either no it's an obvious metaphor yeah um but this does it in a in a better way um Carriga Toure is the main girl and she's good and she's not quite Katie Jarvis but she's good mm-hmm Still, you know, she does really well, um, and oh, c- quick shout out to Zoe Heron and Tomboy, who I also thought was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but mainly, I think the film does a really good job of handling the sexuality. I was going to ask because um, Water Lilies is um, has that vibe. Tomboy, obviously. Uh, is, is that kind of story. Uh, yeah. do, I, I was just going to assume that there's some of that going on in, in here too, thematically. What, lesbianism? Well, no, just any kind of difference, because like with Tomboy, it was more... I didn't think it was necessarily lesbianism as much as... Uh, Trans. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would say there is elements of both. Okay. But the great thing about the film is that Selena Sharma won't label it. Yeah, um, it's just kids growing up. Yeah, it's a, there's a refusal to label or define this girl by whether she likes girls or boys, whether she wants to be a girl or a boy. Mm-hmm. Even though the film hints that it could go either way. Right. Um, Much like me on a Friday night. <laughs> Heaven or hell? Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Oh no, too many jokes, too many filthy jokes. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about. Family you know, podcast, family podcast. It's. I think we've gone beyond that <laughs> by now. 150 episodes. Yeah, it's not a family podcast. 
And I'm not. I'm sure as hell not going through all 149 of them and <laughs> giving them a certificate. Yeah, oh, good grief. Um, but it's like, it's about the experimentation. It's about the learning process. It's about the coming of age. Mm. We're not sure what she's into. She's not sure what she's into yet. That's part of growing up. That's life. Um, low points. Um, there is a scene where the four girls, uh, her and her three friends, lip sync to Diamonds by Rihanna in a hotel room. The whole of Diamonds. Oh, okay. Which is just too stylistically off point. Um, It's unusual for her. mm, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I suppose if you... (laughs) It's got no, it's got no comparison to the, to the title, but I just suppose in something like Boyhood, you see a Lola Linklater doing like a little dance scene from uh, a little snippet of Britney Spears, but that's the whole point. It's just the chorus once. You, yeah. you don't, you don't have to sit, stand there and watch her sing the sit there and watch, watch her sing the whole song. Yeah, I think this is there's a scene in Fish Tank where um, Katie Jarvis dances. To, is it dances to Nas or something? I can't remember who it is. That might be the whole song, but again, that's probably better than this. I mean, this just felt too Xavier Dolan in the yeah. in the random music video in this. And yeah. um, is it Sorrentino? Yeah, yeah, yeah Sorrentino. It's just stop the film every fifteen minutes and shove it in. Yeah, so that was disappointing. Um, Actually, that sounds like Caspar Noe. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and I got, it got me to thinking about <laughs> Sofia Coppola because yeah. Sofia Coppola uses music, but in a really successful way mm-hmm. um, and her films have really similar themes to Sharma's so yes, I just thought that was an interesting comparison um, but I think where Coppola's felt organic, this is a little bit self-conscious, a little right. bit too didn't need it, didn't, mm. didn't need to do that um, I also think there could be more uh, mentioned about her family and more backstory because I don't really get a lot of why her brother's aggressive I don't really get a lot about why the mother's not really there. I mean, she makes could it be feel depressed. a bit more makes it feel a bit more two D in terms of the world around her, and doesn't really flesh out the character because it's I'm assuming it's a character piece, so it doesn't really flesh it out uh, the background. Yeah, mm. I like a bit more of that. And mm. when you've got four minutes of Rihanna's diamonds, yeah, you, you kind yeah. of figure they could have had a couple of scenes of that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but they're minor quibbles because I thought it was great overall. So. Mm-hmm. B plus for, uh, for not for tomboy for girl, uh, you, girlhood. You wish. <laughs> right. So film of the week, uh, Mr. Holmes. I'm gonna do it in your best Yorkshire accent. Slash I, haven't, I haven't got any Yorkshire accents. <laughs> no, it's Laura Linney. <laughs> <laughs> was it Yorkshire? It was, wasn't it? I don't even know what she was trying. Or was it I, Derbyshire? I've. I've I don't know what she was trying, Cal. I really don't. It was a farmer accent, whatever it was. It may may have been a sort of West Country type, or maybe a Gloucester slash Cheltenham type thing. But it I was. I think we've abs- covered the whole of the, the UK. Let's ju- let's just say uh, it it was the accent equivalent of a Dwayne Johnson movie uh, about earthquakes. It was just a complete disaster. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Mr. Holmes is about uh, Sherlock Holmes, who in this story is a real person who his former uh, colleague, Dr. Watson, 
wrote all the stories about. Uh, we see him uh, in the current day, uh, retired, out in the sticks, looking after bees whilst being waited on hand and foot by Laura Linney. Not quite <laughs> live stream, but to, to each their own. Well, um, for a 93-year-old, it's not bad, is it? <laughs> no. Yes. Um, so we see uh, him struggling with the... Uh, the onset of what I would describe as just uh, dementia. He's can't senility, yeah. senility slash dementia. He can't really uh, remember things too clearly. He struggles with people's uh, names, be it uh, what have you. And uh, he is trying to write down and slash remember the particulars of his final case because his cases have been so misrepresented in popular culture. He wanted this one, uh, the truth, to get out there in the least X Files ways, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh my and, God. and so we see him trying to remember what's going on. Then, when he remembers a little bit, we see the backstory of what he remembers, and then we also see a backstory of him uh, going to Japan to try and get him some drugs slash slash uh, vegetables type things to help him remember. Um, okay, what do you think of the framing device? I think it's... I, I was sat in there and I thought, this framing device is just absolutely balls. It was because, slow, wasn't it? Because... It was slow going. And because I was thinking, well, will you just get on with the case, please? It's a Sherlock Holmes yeah, film. Yeah. Will you please get on with the case? Yeah. And it's a good 20 minutes before um, the guy even turns up to uh, engage Holmes on this particular uh, problem he's got. Yeah. And they're, too, they're shoving in this uh, Japanese subplot, which I'm thinking is, just, what, what the sod is going on with this? What is this in this film? <laughs> I know this film is only 105 minutes. Why is there all this padding? Why is there all this waffle? And once you've actually seen the film, or the lot... There's, a, or there's the, a point to it. The longer it goes. It's not necessarily that there's a point, but the... It's more what's not the point. And we go in there thinking, okay, what's the case? The case is the interesting thing. And they are not interested in the case itself at all. No, it's no. more of a study on uh, someone losing his mind. Which actually, really disappointingly, <laughs> uh, means you've got a natural comparison piece in The Iron Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's Be- harsh. Because it's it is more about the. What about the, Iris? Oh, oh, that sort of thing. But it, it's more interested in the effect uh, of the degeneration on a person rather than what actually was. Because really, there's not much to the case. In fact, there's hardly anything to the case at all. No, the the mystery lover in me wanted more of a mystery, but I do. I think that once you get to the end, you realise that it's more of a catharsis very McKellen's character. Yes. It's all about him. And he just said the line, which I thought was a really good line uh, near the end, which he says, one shouldn't leave this life without a sense of completion. Mm. And I think that's what the film is all about in terms of he wants to regain his memory. He wants to come to terms with the reason why he left the, the business. Mm. And his relationship with the boy kind of becomes his legacy in the way of passing on the information that he's learned and um, mm. kind of like a grandson situation. Yeah. Um, and that element of it, I actually thought was quite touching. 
I like them together. I think the lad's actually all right. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the best thing in the film uh, is actually Hattie Moran playing uh, yeah. the, the lady in question. Now, She's good. I've actually seen her. She was uh, Ellen Dashwood in, the, uh, I think it was ITV, did an adaptation of uh, Sense Sensibility uh, at the back end of the uh, uh, 2000s. And she was basically doing an Emma Thompson impression the whole time. <laughs> but uh, with this, she really adds... It's a really good supporting performance, actually. It's does great. It? Very soulful. Soulful, and it adds uh, an edge to something that wouldn't necessarily be there on paper. It's a rather boring role on paper, so it all depends on how she holds herself and how she plays it. I think she really uh, nails uh, she's, uh, where her character is. Uh, the uh, the melancholy that she's not too over the top with it. She keeps a level of uh, uh, class uh, and um, uh, holding it together that the character probably would give in the setting in the period, etc. Et I think it's just a really beautifully realised um, uh, little performance. Uh, the trouble is that when you balance it, with some, don't get me wrong. I love that uh, Sada Hiroyuki is in this film with the Twilight Samurais in this film. He's <laughs> he is awesome. Is he the um, the guy whose father yeah. was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Japanese, the Japanese yeah. guy. He's been lost. In the, he, the most recently saw him in um, Railway Man. He's also in Forty Seven Ronin. Apparently, he's on Lost. I never watched it. Um, I don't know. Right. Uh, but yeah, he was in um, uh, Twilight Samurai. What, an, what we've got to shout that out. What an inspired Oscar nomination that will never happen again, thanks to uh, the new system and the way it's set up. Oh. Anyway. He's in the ring as well. The original of the ring. Oh. I want right. There are sim. I want to say there's similarities to Gods and Monsters. Yes. And this is somebody, um, kind of out of the limelight, having to settle for being out of the limelight. Um, How powerful can abuse his power? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's where it ends. But where do you think this compares? Where do you think as an arc? Of this character compares to something like James Whale and Gods and Monsters? Well, I think the problem is that uh, McKellen is not really in control here. I think that's not the problem. The, 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 the difference is McKellen's character here isn't really in control of the situation. Mm. Whereas. So it's more of an iris. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think with McKellen, uh, I think he's good. I, I do. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's an even performance. I think there are moments where, that, where, where especially when he's trying to be a bit more um, lost. Spaced out. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think he it is. He does that quite a bit. I think it is a bit disjointed. It's not necessarily bad, it's just noticeable. So I don't think it's a. Uh, but the, it's not supposed to be like a Judy Dench and Irish. It's a completely sheen dark from top to bottom. It isn't like um, a lot of other films that you've seen. Uh, like a, a more where there would be gaps in the uh, uh, in the degeneration because we're at a very specific point here, but um, flitting in and out, it does doesn't really with, with the way he plays it, it's it's, it's he it doesn't play it the same every single time, so it just it just brings attention to itself a little bit. Mm. Uh, I do I do still think he's good though uh, 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 at all points. It's just it's just that's the sort of thing that stops it being an absolute tour de force. That's yeah. something that's something like. Um, his performance in Gods and Monsters was. I think there will be. A ch- I think he does have a chance of getting nominated, given um, 
that this hasn't come out in America yet. The subject matter as well, um, frankly. Yeah, the subject matter. And, I mean, you never know at this stage, you never know how strong the competition's going to be. No. Um, he's very well respected. Very well respected, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I would have preferred a mystery, I'll be honest. I would have yeah. preferred somebody, somebody uh, Holmes having his last hurrah. Yeah. You know, kind and of also, like a Midsummer Murders, you yeah. know. And also, he it, it, it wouldn't even have to solve it correctly. Uh, I think the the teaser in the trailer and the lines in the film as well, where he says that this is the case that uh, made me be- uh, disbelieve in uh, uh, logic and that showed me that human nature is completely random. And well, it doesn't actually, really, I didn't really get the weight of that when, it, when, when the case actually unfolds itself. Yeah. So I think I, 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 if you had more of the case and there was... Just more of a just him just being completely undone by it in terms of not being able to figure it out. Uh, that would have been much more interesting than what because they go for something quite different. And I'm not gonna say talk about it more than that because yeah. to detail it, I'd have to spoil it. I'm not going. I've got no intention of doing that. Yeah. But they don't go in that direction, and so I think it feels a little bit underwhelming as a result of that because it doesn't have the dramatic heft that it really probably should. Yeah, it also would have been interesting if they picked because they they could have had a lot of books they could have picked. Um, if they picked something where he hadn't solved it and maybe now he does or something yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Or could we could have done with more of Watson as well? Phil yeah. Davis's Watson would have been interesting. Yeah. Or I, it... I would have ditched Japan altogether. Yeah, I th- I don't think that needs to be there at all. But th- that's what it made it. It just feels like padding, and. Uh... I suppose the other, the other thing is, if you had him as like a tortured soul, just trying frenetically to figure it out and just still being lost, you get you get into a sort of Zodiac vibe, maybe like the beginning of Dark City vibe. It would still be it would still be interesting. It would be a completely different film. We could make a completely different point, but it mm. might might actually make for a better one. I don't know. Mm. I want to say I like the um, the social elements, um, the fact that the kid's really clever and Laura Linney was kind mm. of fairly simple and. What plays out there, I think, is really interesting. Mm. Um, and I do- didn't feel manipulated by what happens near the end. No. I thought that that was all right, and I thought that that, that actually was an interesting way of bridging the gap. Yeah. It also shows that he is still under in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that was, the, that was the only mystery you solved in the film. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a B. Actually, I think it's um, I think it's valuable, but not in the ways that I was expecting. Certainly not in an entertainment way. No, more as a um, study of old age. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting. I'm very much on the borderline between three and four stars here, but I do think overall it's quite a good film, and it's got uh, it does have things going for it. So I I will just uh, err on the side of uh, pleasantness again and go with seven out of ten. So low four stars. It's been a decent week. It's not been bad, no. Hmm. Okay, so Shaq Murray Kill. Right, so I'm going to ignore Girlhood because I've got the three for this. I would mm-hmm. watch again right now if I had to. Oof, well, the one that I would, ha- I would marry, I would marry Jurassic World because I could watch that. It would be an easy watch. Um, it would be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd probably marry uh, oh, sorry, Shag, Mr. Holmes. I'd watch that again right now um, just because it's the better film and I'd kill Accidental Love. Not necessarily because it's bad, just because um, maybe it should it shouldn't exist in this current form. Okay. 
I would marry um, Jurassic World. I would shag girlhood. Mm-hmm. And I would kill accidental love and have it re-edited. Yeah. Add an extra Resur- five, five million dollars. Get it finished in 2008. Get it released. Because mm. um, it's kind of sad. But the saddest thing is that it cost $26 million and it took 4500 This is one of the biggest bombs in history. Yeah. Mm. We need like um, a, a director's cut. A finally a director's yeah. cut on DVD. This would be the first time ever the director's cut would be. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah. Well, Margaret got one. No, 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 but at least he directed the, the first and the second one. Alright. <laughs> <First, laughs> no, that, that guy didn't finish it the way I wanted it to. Here's how I would have done it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, the poot session. Oh, tough week. Um, uh, Bryce, uh, I was enjoying that. Um, <laughs> accidental <laughs> Love. Hairspray. Yeah, accidental love, Jessica Biel always. Uh, Mr. Holmes, uh, nobody, so it's uh, third. None of the, um, none of Jake John Hall's mistresses no. out of the closet. <laughs> 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 it weren't there, but we didn't make it, weren't long enough to make a lasting impression. Okay. <laughs> okay, um, Jurassic World, Chris Pratt, huge, colossal, yes. I'm taking it, uh, uh, Johnson's going to be a no. Jake Johnson being say dude. Okay. That moustache. For geek. For geekiness. Mm. Yeah. What about Omar C? Omar C, uh, nice but no. Mm-hmm. Accidental love, um, James Marsden being say dude. I thought you liked facial hair. Due to the moustache. I thought these you liked like, facial these hair. These were bad moustaches. This w- that w- that was a village people moustache. I will give you that. Yeah. Also, he's, this is Garrett as well. Yes, true. Jake Gyllenhaal in the tribal scene. Yes. yes. But that's <laughs> consistency wins the day. So no. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Mourinho rule. Yeah. <laughs> the Mourinho rule. <laughs> so that. The Mourinho mantra. Say, the Mourinho mantra. <laughs> <laughs> it's a say do for um, Jake Gyllenhaal um, and we have Girlhood uh, the brothers nice but no and Mr. Holmes well no, it's there's not nobody it. young in the film there's nobody in it to Twilight Samurai guys and no mm. so it is a 2.0 on the gauge decently right so yeah we have a website. It's yeah. moveforpodcast.com. There you can check out all 150 episodes <laughs> plus the three compilation episodes. Probably um, quicker to check out the three compilation episodes than anything else. Well, definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can check out what we're going to have ahead in July. Um, where you can ask us a question, submit a question. By that, by that, cow means the uh, actual films that are coming out in July, not my uh, holiday to Tenerife. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to Rome as well. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> just to piss the Catholics off. No, just to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're on Twitter at Move for Podcast, Facebook in the Move for Podcast. Follow us if you're listening to this. Yeah. If you got this far. Um, 
etc etc we're on iTunes Mm. Um, next week just want to quick mention that there is an East End Film Festival in London really I have um, that I will be seeing some films from none of them particularly high profile but it's good to see films yes Um, next week's releases we have Minions yes we do we have She's Funny That Way, which is the new Peter Bogdanovich film. Is this got Aniston in it? I think I it's saw this. Aniston. I think it's got somebody else as well. Is it? It's not Watts. It's somebody big, though. The right. cast's quite good. Mm. Um, we have Knock Knock. Have you seen the trailer for this? I have seen the trailer for this. Oh, my God. And you'll note that we still haven't seen The Longest Ride. No, because Alan Arkin... No, not Alan Arkin. It is Alan Arkin. Alan 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 Alder, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) As if he needed any more hardship. Did you see, and now obviously we haven't seen Entourage this week, have you seen Mark Kermode's review of Entourage? No. Is it suitably scathing? It is. He said he hates this film more than Sex and the City 2. And I I was struck when I was watching it, because you get to see the video, which you don't see when you listen to it on the car. He looks increasingly like the the, uh, old man in Up. <laughs> Someone give him a balloon, for God's sake! <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he, well, he, well, depression is the key, is the key comparison there between the two. <laughs> Commodionly. Yeah, yeah, he was he was absolutely he threw it under the bus. Well, what so did we? We didn't even bother. Yeah, well, we snubbed it. He just um, set fire to it. <laughs> Uh, neither of which the Mourinho mantra, which is park it. <laughs> right, do you have a jam? Um, my jam is Janet Jackson. <gasps> she's still alive. She's got. She's back, and it's called Go Sleep. Right. Mine is the Artisan by a band called Finn. Nice. Mm. Are we doing our mid-year awards next week? With it being the last day in June. <laughs> Can I be bothered to? Is the real question. Right. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll we'll try it. Yeah, we'll try it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, half year awards. Why not? We've done it before. Well, also, I mean, even though because a lot of the first half of the year stuff gets shelved by the yeah. time we do the second half of the year, mm. uh, the overall year. So it's good to champion performances you might not mention in January or whatever. Mm. Of course, what you heard there was just my just my natural hesitancy to actually prepare for this podcast. <laughs>
Slumber to debut. 